0: Hey, it's Kim Commando today, your daily podcast to keep you up to date with all things digital and beyond. And I'd love to have you be a part of our podcast. You can make an appointment to speak with me. Just head over to commando.com. And on the top right, there's a button that says email Kim. Fill that out. And that's it. All right, I always like to kick things off with something fun, and let's talk about the Tesla Cybertruck. Yeah, you can see it in your head, I know. One million reservations to buy the Cybertruck have been posted at least, they say. It's still a mystery on really what's gonna be delivered in this truck, but we do know that the name is Cybertruck and it's to be coming out in just a few weeks. So here's why I'm bringing it up. People are hawking their Tesla Cybertruck reservations for $10,000 on eBay. That reservation originally cost a hundred bucks. Now Tesla says you can't transfer the reservations, but still people are spending like ten grand on it. I mean, it would make me so nervous, right? To rely on some random person online to buy and transfer a new car to me that hasn't been manufactured yet. <laughs> wow. You know, and I don't get all the hate and sarcasm against the Tesla Cybertruck. I mean, really, think about this. You slap a minigun on its back and it's halo in real life. It just is. And on that happy note, you're about ready to get more tech smarts because every single thing is a tech thing. I'm, of course, Kim Commando, and this is the most listened to, the most trusted show, the biggest show about all things digital. And I have two favors to ask of my tech savvy tribe. Uh, Number one, the best way for you to help me grow the show and the podcast is for you to tell at least one friend. That's all. Just tell one friend about the show and podcast. And number two is I want to hear from you. I want to get some feedback from you. You can send me your notes over at hello at commando.com. That's hello at commando.com. And you can find my show in over 420 fantastic stations across the United States. And you can get us as a podcast webcast over at commando.com. Just hit the button that says community. And a big shout out goes to all of our listeners on the American Forces Network radio, serving more than 375,000 American servicemen and women in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, and the Space Force in 175 different countries. And I know that you have at least a few questions that I can lend a hand to, and that's why our T-Mobile Unlimited listener line is now open at one All right, it's my labor of love. Every single day, I go to at least 35 different websites to bring you up to date with the top five things you need to know about tech. And let's start with... AI. I mean, who here among us isn't worried that AI is going to take their job? Reports say that up to one billion. Yes, I said billion. One billion white collar workers will be impacted in some way, some way by AI. Fourteen million jobs will totally vanish. So who's safe? Who is safe? I saw this report the other day. Uh, Nurses hairdressers, electricians, plumbers, and construction workers. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics is saying that these are some of the jobs expected to grow the fastest in the upcoming years. These jobs require, they say, a unique combination of physical, intellectual, social skills that AI can't replicate, at least not yet. Okay, I mean, nursing. All right, AI could read medical charts, but it can't comfort a scared patient, right? A construction worker who has to make split-second decisions because something has changed. So who's at most risk? Uh, If you're in sales, production, or administration, time to rethink that big old career path. Moving on to number two, I hate to say I told you so, but... um, I told you not to do these DNA tests. I told you. 23andMe is selling everyone's DNA to the pharmaceutical industry. It was only a matter of time. The company sold DNA to drug maker GSK for $20 bucks. They say that the data will be anonymized. And it's going to be great to help drug development. Okay, that's fabulous. But what about our privacy? And it's all legal, by the way, provided you agree to let them use your data for scientific research, which you did when you signed up. Okay. So if you ever bought a 23andMe kit, sent your saliva sample back in that little tube, they got a whole bunch of your genetic traits and data. And these kits aren't cheap. you basically paid to have your data sold. It's not just you. If any of your close relatives also took the test, their genetic info is out there in the Wild West too, like it or not. Uh, Moving on to number three, it wasn't very spooky. It wasn't. Apple had a surprise, scary, fast event. It happened the day before Halloween. And it wasn't really scary. It wasn't very surprising. I mean, I told you all this was coming down. So here's the rundown. New M3 chips. The big deal. It's the third generation of Apple's own silicon chips. Because remember, Apple broke away from Intel. Uh, Proving point for Apple is that they can go ahead and do this. New features... Okay, it's kind of techy, so you have to stay with me. Faster and more efficient CPU. Updated GPU for ray tracing, mesh shading, and dynamic caching. Up to 128 gigs of unified memory. You're like, what the heck does any of that mean, Kim Commando? What does it mean? Bottom line is that this chip is made for gaming, It's made for video. It's made for streaming. It's probably the most advanced chips ever built for a home personal use computer. Yes, that's what all that means. Here, I'll tell you again. Ray tracing, mesh shading, dynamic caching, unified memory. Oh, now, don't you feel smart? I know you do. I can see it in your eyes. Uh, Some new MacBook Pro models, they're 14 and 16 inches. They get that M3 Pro chip uh 22 hours of battery life that's fabulous 22 hours of battery life that means that you could actually go from like New York to Singapore on a single charge or something like that uh they're going to be expensive uh the the it's about like $2000 to $2500 for yeah a laptop. Uh, they also have a new M3 iMac, 24 inch, no longer 27 inch, by the way. I was pretty sad about that. 24 gigs of memory, seven colors. Are you ready? They come in green, yellow, orange, pink, purple, blue, and silver. I think I would like the pink one, uh, $1,300. bucks. let us move on to number four. Yes. How about your mother's maiden name? your favorite dog, whatever it was. Programmer Stefan Thomas has over 7,000 Bitcoin on a protected Iron Key hard drive. It was given to him about 10 years ago. Those Bitcoins are now worth $242 million. Wow. Okay. Here's the reason why I'm talking about it. He forgot the password to the hard drive. What a schmuck. Iron Key hard drives lock up after 10 failed attempts. He has only Two login attempts left because the contents are encrypted and he just lost $242 million. His Bitcoin has been locked up since 2011. Uh, Stefan also says he wrote the password down, but guess what? He lost that too. He could be in luck. A cybersecurity firm called Unciphered claims that they found a way to hack into these Iron Key devices. They demoed the technique to Wired and it did work. So, will Stefan see his fortune? We don't really know because Stefan has denied unciphered access to this drive. He says that, well, I contracted with another cybersecurity team to figure out the issue. I don't think he's too bright. And finally, this coming in at number five, the first walking, talking robot you're going to see has the personality of a British butler. What's going on with this? You've seen those videos with the Boston Dynamic Dog Spot, right? The four legged robotic dog. It maps environments, it climbs stairs, it dances, open doors, gets you drinks. Um, Police departments, oil companies, manufacturers, over 1,000 of these have been sold. Well, this past week, Spot, the robotic dog, got a voice. It doesn't go bark, bark, bark. He can actually talk to you. Here, take a listen.
2: Greetings, good sirs. May I have the pleasure of knowing your names?
0: I'm Matt, and that's Vache.
1: Yes. A pleasure to meet you, Matt and Vodja. So that's Spot.
0: That's right. Shall we commence our so journey? So now he's a tour guide at the Boston Dynamics headquarters, and you can bet on a big dog bone that he's going to be heading all over other places, like museums and airports and cities. Think about that. Uh, maybe the sewers of Paris, the catacombs of Rome. Just another day at the office.
3: Mm. After founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving US state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more.
0: When I read about Jacob Knowles in the New York Times, I was like, oh my gosh, totally have to get him on the show. Uh, let me tell you who he is. He's the captain of Rest Assured. It's a lobster fishing boat. Now, his day starts at the crack of dawn. And with his crew, they sort through the lobsters, tossing the small ones back, keeping the legal size one. It's tough work. But that's not all Jacob does in one day. He has another job. While he's out there doing... The lobster job, he's also capturing it all on video to huge audiences. He has a massive social media following, two and a half million on TikTok, 400,000 on Instagram. Now he's part of this growing trend of influencers showing off their jobs online and he's making money at it. Hey, Jacob, uh, thank you so much for being here. Let's start at the beginning. Now, how did you become a lobster fisherman?
1: Uh, so it's been in the family for generations. Uh, it's just a way of life up here. It's a pretty common thing to have uh, generational families uh, staying in the industry. Um, so I g- grew up uh, going lobster fishing with my father ever since I was little. Ever since I can remember, I've been lobster fishing. I started on his boat, um, working with him. Uh, he taught me the ropes as I was real young, and then uh, got into a small skiff when I was. Uh, probably 12 or 13, and worked my way up through boats. When I started, my dad would actually go sternman with me. Uh, Sternman is somebody that works
0: uh, on the the boat.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. hence sternman. Um, So yeah, he would go with me on the boat, teach me um, the captain end of it. And uh, at 15, 16, I I went on my own in a 25 foot boat, uh, started taking my own crew. And then uh, by senior year of high school, I was doing it full-time in a larger boat and have been ever since. And so what size boat do you have now? Uh, it's a 46-foot.
0: Uh, that's a big boat. How many pounds of lobsters do you catch a day?
1: Uh, it's It varies. It's a hard thing to put a number on. It all really depends on the time of year. Um, in the winter, the fishing can be poor. Uh, certain times in the summer, the fishing can be good. Um, and... It's a it's a catch is an interesting topic in the, in, in Maine because it's such an old fashioned uh, traditional way of life. And uh, it's a respect. It's kind of a respectful place as far as uh, trying to be humble and uh, not come across as arrogant or anything. So it, catch has kind of evolved into a thing where it's a uh, fisherman never shares his catch. I guess. <laughs> okay. uh, so, it's, yeah.
0: so you started posting on TikTok. Give me an idea of like some of the videos that you were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe people are watching this.
1: Yeah. So it started uh, about three years ago, actually, uh, to, to the date. It was in the fall uh, three years ago. We started posting some uh, kind of just funny comedy stuff, just joking around on the boat. The first one was kind of a prank uh, where my stern man, Key, uh, scared the third man with, a, with an eel that we had. And that was kind of the first <laughs> vir- viral video. Uh, after that, we continued to look to try to reproduce that, and uh, so in, so early on, it was it was mostly comedy uh, skit type stuff, and then uh, kind of accidentally stumbled onto the uh, the educational part of it, and and that's uh, when we first stumbled onto the educational stuff. I was that's when I was like, wow, there's something special here because uh, this is uh, largely untouched. Uh, most of the world doesn't have any idea about the lobster industry.
0: Give me an idea of the educational aspect that which you're showing on your TikTok.
1: Yeah. So um, the educational side, uh, the popular stuff has been geared towards uh, like the sustainability measures and the things that are done to ensure the fishery remains sustainable for the future. Uh, there are countless things that we do inside the fishery to ensure this. Um, one of the popular things in the videos are the on the egg bearing females, uh, if we catch a lobster that that is a female that's full of eggs. Uh, she's a proven breeder so we'll notch her tail and then the notch in her tail signifies to future fishermen that she is capable of reproducing um, so the notch uh, it, it's actually a federal law and state law as well so once the lobster is not she's illegal to keep um, so any future down the road even if they catch her when she doesn't have eggs can't, uh, they can't keep her so that's been a popular topic on the educational side and then just everything, really. People have been fascinated with learning <laughs> about a way of life that nobody's ever seen.
0: So now I understand. Like you have, you've gone professional. You have an onboard video person. Is that right? Yeah. And then are, uh, are you are you going to start selling some lobster merch?
1: Uh, yeah, we're getting there. I just uh, I'm in the process of trying to build a team to kind of try to take this full time, and uh, there's there's a lot to it to to do it right and. Merch is definitely on the list. Uh, I've, I've done kind of small scale merch on my own over the years, but it's just been through like a pre-order system. There's a lot of popular topics that I think merch could do well with uh, inside the niche with like the, as I was saying, the V-notch. And usually before we let them go, we'll, we'll give them a fish for a snack. So I think that, that kind of thing on, <laughs> on, on some merch would be popular. And I'd like to get to the point where I'm stocking that and, and easily um, able to ship it out.
0: Now, are are there any are there any people in your lobster hole community that are looking at what you're doing, saying, "Oh, I can't believe Jacob's doing that. What is he doing?"
1: Uh, In a good way or a bad way? (laughs) Uh, Both. (laughs) Well, so uh, the feedback has been pretty positive, and I've tried to keep the content geared that way. I I I don't want it to become a thing that is frowned on by the community of Maine and in the coast of Maine. I try to keep the content. Um, something that benefits the fishery and, and try to put um, it, I guess just try to use the content for good and not uh, just for, just for fame purposes.
0: So how much money are you making?
1: <laughs> it's all over the place. It's, I, I haven't figured that out yet. To okay. To really cons- consistently, <laughs> consistently earn income on it. Um, I, there's been, there's been decent months and then there's been months. Uh, it's just been all over the place. It could be, a few hundred bucks a month, a few thousand bucks a month, but it's... Um, well, you know what? I, I ha-
0: you're definitely growing. I mean, you know, you're definitely getting out there. Getting some coverage uh, in the New York Times is, it's one step or so away from having your own reality TV show.
1: I, I am excited to see where the, where the future takes this. I, I think it's got a lot of potential.
0: Well, Jacob, congratulations to you as a captain of Rest assured to your entire crew. And do me a favor, when you get that reality TV show gig, I want you to give me a call, all Right. I just love entrepreneurial success stories, don't you? All right, let's talk about scams. The phone rings, and as soon as you pick it up, some robotic voice says that you owe money to the IRS. And you're like, oh, no, stop. No, it's not me, right? Well, here's the deal. Do not say a word. Do not say hello, anything. It only takes three seconds for a scammer to steal your voice. And if that happens, they could potentially use your voice to get into your banking app's and maybe even extort family members and friends out of money. So if you don't want to hear from them at all, you can use a call blocking app, of course. There's just a ton of them out there, like Truecaller, Caller, Hiya, Robo Caller. Your cellular provider probably even has its own uh, app that you might want to check out. There's also another one where it says, press this button to speak to a person. That's how the scammers get access to your info, and they put your number on a hot list call, so don't be doing that either. And finally, if you do get a scam call, just go ahead and
3: report it. After founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. let CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more.
0: All right, we have a great tip coming up about how you can tell what you see online. Is it AI or is it human generated? Uh, Later on, there's some bad malware that's targeting Windows PCs I need to tell you about. And before we go back to all of your phone calls, let's talk about something that you've heard before. And I'm sure you've rolled your eyes like, Oh, you're kidding me, right? I mean, that's when you have something wrong with whatever you're trying to work with, and then your IT person says, have you turned it on and off? And you're like... Yes, I've done that. When really you haven't done that, but you don't want to be sound like a fool that you you know, that you kind of miss that most important step. It's called power cycling. And it really can fix a lot of problems. Like, let's say your computer is like slow as molasses. Now you might have a bunch of sneaky processes that are running in the background just hogging up resources. Can't connect to Wi-Fi? Yes, you want to restart your router and your modem there too. Software glitches. Yep, you want to shut down the program, better yet, just do a whole restart of your PC. Just kind of keep that in mind. So if something goes wrong, turn it off, turn it back on. All right, Dawn in Lansing, Michigan. Hi there, Dawn.
2: Hi, Kim. It's great to talk to you. I'm a fan of the show, your articles in AARP, and thank you for combining the newsletters.
0: <laughs> oh, one a day, right?
2: <laughs> right, it's great. Uh, th- you know what, thank you.
0: As it was it was actually, it was it was getting to be too much work for me. To do two a day. And, that, the, and then I started thinking like if it's too much work for me to do two a day, it's probably too much work for to read two a day. So Yeah, it was
2: a little overwhelming. So thank you for doing that. Uh,
0: <laughs> my pleasure.
2: So what's happening? Well, I'd like to know I would like to know when emails are deleted, how long do they stay on the server, such as Yahoo or Gmail? I'm wondering if it's a month, if it's a year, or as long as you have an account with them. Why do you ask? I'm asking because as I was cleaning out emails from years ago, I got to thinking about two, two-sided, two two things. One, I lost an email, a recipe my grandmother gave me about four years ago, and she passed four years ago. And I thought, I wonder if there was any way I could ever get that back if it, if it was deleted. And then the second side of that, I had a concern is. I had uh, my tax returns a few years ago, and it came through email, and I deleted that email. So then I started thinking, I wonder if that information, because it's private, is really gone. So when I'm really deleting something, is it really gone?
0: (laughs) Well, yes and no. Um, I know, that's a terrible answer, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Gmail, what they say is that it's in the trash folder for 30 days, and then it goes into the intergalactic bit bucket. We don't know where it goes. Yahoo says seven days. But it's always interesting to me that when we have lawsuits, that somehow email is resurrected from years past, right? You're like, hmm, where did that really come from? Uh, And here's the reason why, is that some some of these email providers, of course, they don't want to get involved in every lawsuit, so they have certain policies. And that's where you have subpoenas and, like I mentioned, lawsuits come into play to see if they can maybe get some type of documentation, email, whatever, uh, out of their backups or out of their archives because they do have to keep things backed up for data loss and system failures, right? I mean, disaster recovery, it happens even to them. And archives. Right. Um, some businesses need to archive things for longer years based upon whatever their business needs at that particular time. Maybe they have some compliance issues, some legal issues. Now, as so as far as you getting back this recipe four years ago, it ain't never going to happen. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I wish that there was a magical window that I could send you to because, you know, we all love our grannies and we all loved what they cooked. Right. Right. Uh, and we all have great memories of them. Although I'll tell you my granny, she didn't really cook very much, but let me tell you something. This woman could party like nobody's business. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like, you know, a six pack, a Pabst blue ribbon every single day. Okay. <laughs> and a pack of Paul malls. All right. Okay. So, you know, and it was always it was always party town at Granny's. It was, you know, Elvis uh-huh. was on the record player. I mean, it was just you know things were just happening, and so you might be thinking like, well, how long did Granny live? Right? I mean, think about this: uh-huh. a six pack of pastel ribbon and a pack of Pall Malls every single day. Okay, she was eighty six.
2: Okay, <laughs> so.
0: and I'm sitting there going, all right, I exercise every day. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't eat processed foods. I don't eat meat. I mean, you know, so it's like, not sure what happened.
2: Uh, That's amazing. But you
0: may be able to get a copy of the recipe by looking into your own backups, you know, your, your local mail programs. Um, Oh, okay. You know, if if you saved, uh, if you have still have email from decades sitting on an AOL address, or a Yahoo address or a Gmail address, so you can you know you can go back. Uh, say for example, like if you go to Gmail, I always find if I'm trying to search for something on my email, um, I can normally go into Gmail.com. I find it easier to do that than in a, in the mail app, and then type in certain parameters, uh, certain words. It just seems to pop up easier for me than going through Apple Mail, uh, and also on your Windows. PC and on your Mac, you can always use that search box. A lot of people think, like, "Oh, I have to search for a file name." No, you can search for anything. You know, uh, if it was, a, was it a picture of a recipe or was it an honest to gosh text or email?
2: Uh, no, it was just just a picture of one, and and I do think I probably could find it, and, and even if not through that, possibly a family member. So
0: yeah, so, so um, yeah. yeah, so unfortunately, you know, that's that's kind of the long answer to say no. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, as long as there are other ways that you can get this information, that's and that's really what it is. You know, kind of think outside the box. Like, you're not going to be able to go back to Google or Yahoo or Hotmail, whoever it is, saying, hi, I really want this back. It was, like, been years. No. You probably have it somewhere on your system. And, Dawn, thank you for your call. All right. I got this note from Ben in Texas. Hi there, Kim. Hi, Ben. I love your podcast. You were talking about AI, and I got to thinking, when I read a story online at some website, how can I tell if a human being actually wrote it? This is a really good question. You sh- we should be talking about USA Today. Uh, last week, a bunch of mysterious bylines with stories suddenly appeared on the site. And then staff writers at reviewed, they're like, what's going on? I mean, these are non-existent humans. They couldn't find these writers with any bylines, any social media profiles, not even on LinkedIn. Now, Gannett, the parent company of this, they just deny everything. So what are some signs that a chatbot wrote that article or actually put together that website? It wants to sound important, that's number one. It uses words a lot, like consequently or furthermore or moreover, you start seeing those. That's not really how most humans will write. Uh, they don't do analysis. So like, for example, at TMZ or one of those sites, they may write, Kim Kardashian dieting for months to squeeze her butt into the 60-year-old Marilyn Monroe dress proves that she'll do anything she has to to get attention and social media and to keep building her brand. Okay. Now, if that article said Kim Kardashian wore a dress that Marilyn Monroe owned, it's probably AI. Uh, quotes and numbers, they just don't pan out. Okay, and you, you see something and then you Google that number and you find it's just completely fake. There's no personality. So if you're reading the newsletters and you think, gosh, I wish Kim Kamada would stop giving out those corny jokes, well, then that's how you know it's written by me, and it is written by me. And you want to keep an eye out for any type of phishing scams. This is a a big number that I just also need to talk to you about for just a moment. Uh, Since ChatGPT launched last November, phishing emails are up almost 1,300%. Wow, 1,300%. Isn't that Just a big pile of poo waiting to steal from all of us. And if you want to read more about this, you want to pass it along, and you want to see some steps, head over to commando.com and hit that button that says Show Picks.
3: Since our founding in 2000, we at the Center for Internet Security have always had one mission. It's to create confidence in the connected world for people, businesses, and governments. As a nonprofit, we do this by drawing upon our core competencies of collaboration and innovation. The world is changing, cyber threats are evolving, and IT resources are limited. All you want is a way to strengthen your cybersecurity programs efficiently and effectively. Let's CIS help you with these efforts. We use a consensus-based process involving IT professionals from around the world to develop and maintain security best practices. These resources are proven to defend systems and data against threats, both on-premises and in the cloud. We also strive to help organizations of every size and maturity strengthen their cybersecurity programs. This includes serving U.S. state, local, tribal, and territorial government organizations. At CIS, we're all about making the connected world a safer place. Visit our website to learn more.
0: So I have to tell you what I did the other day. I totally mixed up the daily tech update because it was not very good. So now what we have every single day, you get the morning tech news. And then in the afternoon, you get one digital life hack. And so what you're going to get now is a digital life hack and a daily tech update, but I'm going to answer one of your questions. So if you ever have a question you want me to answer, you can go ahead and send that to hello at commando.com or you can go to commando.com and fill out that form that says email Kim, because I'm going to pick out a question every single day, twice a day, and I'm going to answer it live right on the spot when I record the digital life hack. So I have changed it. So how do you get it? Well, wherever you get your podcast, just search for commando with a K, of course, And then again, this is called the Daily Tech Update. I'm so proud of it here. I want you to take a listen. This Halloween, there's something really scary about electric vehicles. Too many buyers ask, if I buy one, will it be a trick or a treat? If you're grappling with the question of buying an EV, you're not alone. Just last week, top executives admitted that their EV manufacturing and sales goals are in real trouble. New car inventory is piling up. GM CEO Mary Vara says that the company has completely abandoned plans to build 100,000 new EVs by the end of this year and another 400,000 by June of next year. GM has no idea when or even if it's going to meet its goals. What's the problem? High interest rates for sure. But customers still have that nagging worry. They fear that one day they'll be caught with a depleted battery and no charging station in sight. Hey, let me do the work for you. Get tech news and tech smarts with my free newsletter. You can sign up right now at getkim.com. All right, next up, we're sifting through the digital post to spotlight a question from you. Yes, our loyal, savvy, and so handsome and beautiful listeners. Another letter from our day. All right, Kristen in Phoenix writes, Hi, Kim. Hi, Kristen. My 80-year-old aunt turned off her Amazon Echo due to privacy concerns. But I still want a smart speaker so she can call for help in case of emergency. She has an iPhone. Will a HomePod work? All right, Kristen, good for you for helping her out. It's hard work and emotionally draining being a caregiver. I've been there. And using tech can make it a lot easier. So if your aunt is set on ditching Alexa, any Bluetooth speaker can do the job. The Apple HomePod has three built-in microphones, so your aunt won't have to rely on her smartphone. So in an emergency, you're right, she can shout out, hey Siri, call 911 from the other side of the house. Now, the HomePod will still hear her loud and clear. But Kristen, you have to keep in mind that your aunt can also call for help on an iPhone. You don't need a smart speaker just to do that. You are the best for tuning in. Now, if you're curious about something, pop over to commando.com and click email, Kim. I read every single email like it's a secret code to unlock some hidden tech treasure. And you can catch the tech wave. How? Just get my free daily newsletter. Head over to getkim.com. Once again, that's getkim.com. All righty, back to the phones we go with Stan in South Bend, Indiana. Hi there, Stan. Well, I've seen some YouTube videos. Of some songs that my wife and I want to sing for a wedding coming up. Oh, nice! But I and I called the publishing company of for the uh, music,
1: and they said that they do not have an accompaniment tape. Okay. So, is there
0: a program that I could take that YouTube video and get rid of the voices? This the the audio track and just get rid of the audio track and just have the accompaniment. Mhm. Um, you know, there's probably all kinds of legal things that you shouldn't be doing with all this but I'm going to tell you how to do it, okay? <laughs> okay uh good. and assume that that if there if it is illegal that you won't do this or certain parts of it. The first step is for you to uh download what is the song? Uh a gift of love. Oh, how nice. Okay. So so your first step is to uh download the YouTube video, okay? And you can do I've have already have done that. Okay. Once you do that, uh, then you need to have some software that w- can separate the vocal track. Now, there's a free program called Audacity A U D A C I T Y. It's been around forever. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, it's, uh-huh. it's, we use it here in the studios. Most people in that do any type of audio work. They probably have dabbled in it at some point. Um, they have a, a feature called vocal reduction and isolation in there. And so what you do is you import the audio track. Uh, Then you're going to select the whole thing. And then under effects, that's where you're going to find vocal reduction and isolation. And then you're going to select remove the vocals and then hit OK. Now, this isn't as easy as it sounds, just to let you know that. (laughs) I didn't figure it would be. uh, You know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I can do this in three minutes. No. Mm. Uh, You know, your mileage may vary as well as, you know, anybody else's, no matter what you're doing on your computer. And it also depends upon the song's mixing and mastering, but you know, there's also a way that you could also go in there into the the track itself, and then start lowering and raising different levels so that this way you can maybe make that vocal track less as pre- less prevalent in certain parts. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, if that doesn't work. Uh, Adobe Audition probably has the capability in it, maybe even better than Audacity. Uh, because again, remember Audacity is free, it's open source and all that other good stuff. Uh, Adobe means what, what does Adobe mean to you, Stan? Think about this Adobe. What's the first word that comes to you with Adobe money, right? Money.
3: Money.
0: Because anything that you talk about with Adobe, um, they are going to charge for, Okay. Uh, yeah, I know they have little free versions on their website and free little things you can do in your app. But, I mean, it's a big corporation that needs to make a lot of money. That's why Photoshop is still expensive as it is, and it always has been. Uh, with Adobe Audition, that it's probably going to cost you about 250 bucks under yearly subscription. But it does have a lot of features. Uh, and you can buy it by the month for about, I don't know, like $25 a month. And so maybe what you want to do is get back onto YouTube. And do a search that says audacity, uh, remove vocal track. And maybe you can find some videos of some guys and gals who have actually done this. And so it gives you some pointers along the way. And just for giggles, I would do the same thing with Adobe Audition. Again, do a YouTube, how to remove vocal track and see what type of how-to videos that you pop up. Because that's always a good way to gauge whether or not this is a project that you are willing to invest your time, effort, energy in. Instead of saying just hiring some local band to maybe do that track for you, uh, I don't think they would probably charge very much. You could probably just pay somebody to play the track in a piano setting. And especially if it's a wedding, you don't need all those bells and whistles that might be coming with a big orchestra. It just might feel better and even more intimate if it's done with a guitar or with a flute, with your, your voice and your wife's voice, instead of having this big accompaniment. Um, But best of luck to you, Stan. Now, I'm very sad you didn't ask me to sing the song for you at the wedding. Um, But I get that. I know. I I have the worst singing voice ever. I do. I just can't carry a tune. So, Stan, if you need any help afterwards, just give a shout back. I'm here for you. But I can't sing. Okay, huge warning. If you're downloading a new app from the Internet onto your Windows-based PC, I want you to be really, really careful. There's a new malware that's spreading called Ghost. and it's attacking Windows system by an app installer. So the bottom line here is stick to downloading apps directly from the official developer's website or better yet, just go to the Microsoft Store. Don't take any chances. Hey, listen, just want to remind you that you can find me 24-7 over at commando.com and make sure that you sign up for our newsletter at getkim.com.